Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Charlotte at 6. Thank you, Anna. Charlotte at 6. I'm Mark Garrison. Top stories here on WBT on this Tuesday. And this evening, something different. We are devoting all of Charlotte at 6 and all of Brett Jensen's show coming up at 7 to a review of just what a tough year it has been for parents and students in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools. And uh, maybe give you parents something to think about as you uh, think about this fall. And uh, Brett Jensen joins me here for uh, the first hour as well. Brett, we felt this it had been such a disastrous year uh, for CMS that it's worth reviewing all the things that happened and what, if anything, CMS is trying to do to get things right. You know, I, I spoke to some old-timers who's, who's been around Charlotte for a very long time and many, many decades who grew up here. And they said the only time they can think about that, that it may have been this bad or contentious of a school year was when they imposed forced busing. Hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of the parents and students were extremely upset, and it was just a debacle and a very, very heated school year. But this, I think, Mark, takes the cake because it was wide-ranging. It wasn't one yes. singular topic. That is an excellent point. And in fact, I think we'll start with a recap of the school year. The headlines, you're right, at CMS have been dominated by guns, sexual assault, dirty books, and an incompetent superintendent who finally was fired. And then, of course, there's the biggest question of all. Are kids really getting a decent education at CMS? And for many, the answer is... No. Their constitutional rights for a good education are being violated. That is County Commissioner Pat Cotham. For more than a year now, most members of the County Commission have said kids are just not learning in CMS. Is anybody listening? Yes, ma'am. Does anybody care? Yes, ma'am. Most black third graders are nowhere close to being on grade level for math or reading. Commissioner Vil Malik. Black boys, 70% of them cannot read. And more than 40 schools in the system rated as failing. The children who's in the third grade today or first grade and second grade, in 10 years, they will be failures in the community for the lack of reading, writing, and arithmetic. Former Superintendent Ernest Winston blamed COVID for kids not learning. But he and the school board both told county commissioners they had a plan to improve performance. That turned out to be a lie. They had no specific plan. County Commission Chair George Dunlap. Go on the Internet and type in strategic plan for almost any school district in the country and you will get one. If they don't have a qualified person to present a plan with metrics, tell them to go on the internet and copy somebody else's. Well, now the new interim superintendent, Hugh Hadabaugh, says improving student performance is his top priority. But we don't know what he has planned. What we do know is that again this year, CMS bent the grades of students just so that many kids could pass. School safety. Kids brought guns to CMS campuses in record numbers this year. By year's end, 30 guns had been found. 
kid was shot. A kid was shot. What to do about guns has been a hot topic since one student was shot and killed by another student in Butler High back in 2018. Even students have been demanding action from the school board. We are sitting ducks. In other words, we are target practice. But this school year, Superintendent Ernest Winston said absolutely nothing and did nothing about the gun problem for weeks. Finally, he declared, There is an expectation that no weapons, yet alone guns, will ever be brought onto a CMS campus ever. Well, that expectation clearly not working. There was a packed town hall where parents demanded something be done. Our kids' lives are on the line and we need action. Get away from behind your desk and do something. Finally, after six months of studying the problem, the superintendent told our Brett Jensen. Uh, we also are strongly looking into um, the idea of body scanners. Well, the body scanners are high-tech devices used in arenas and other venues. They can detect a gun as a kid walks past and then sound an alarm if a weapon is found. The scanners were installed during spring break in several high schools, and in those schools, guns virtually dried up, with only one student being caught after the devices were put in place. But guns are not the only safety concern at CMS. There were brawls, mass fights at Hopewell, South Mac, Harding, and other schools. Cops arrested dozens of students. Every day we have a fight at school, sometimes many fights. You're listening to the sound of a brawl at South Mac outside. No teachers in sight. Some students cheering as several kids took quite a beating. Fights yesterday at South Beck High School. We already know what was going on at Harding University. Like, this is like just a situation that just keeps getting worse by the week. In one case, a staff member was knocked unconscious, breaking up a fight at a middle school. So as we head into the summer months, security issues are still up in the air. What will CMS do this fall? More scanners? More officers? School officials quiet about that. Sexual assaults, also a hot topic this school year. My name is Nikki Wumwell. When I was 15 years old, I was raped on my high school campus. It is something that's been a problem at Myers Park for years. CMS settled one lawsuit, now facing two others. And every girl tells the same story. They were raped or sexually assaulted on campus, but they say the former principal at Myers Park, Mark Bosco, urged them to drop the matter. Just ridiculous. We should be comfortable in our own school where we're getting our education. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nothing is getting done, and we're tired of it. They keep putting sexual assault on the back burner and not having it up front and actually heard. After protests, Bosco, with his six-figure salary, was removed as principal given a job at the central office with no specific duties that we have been able to find. Meantime, at Hawthorne Academy, a girl was suspended for reporting a sexual assault. Olympic High, a student was arrested for sexually attacking a girl there in the hallway. And all of that barely scratches the surface of the mess at CMS this year. With so many issues, the school board finally, so embarrassed over Ernest Winston, fired him in April as superintendent, though he was praised for being a nice guy. And he has given his all in his 18 years in this district, especially these last three years as superintendent. And he is a good man, and nobody can dispute this. 
And uh, if this was a movie, Brett Jensen, it could be called Ernest Laughs All the Way to the Bank because uh, he got quite a, a deal. When he left, seven hundred and seventy-six thousand. Excuse me, five hundred seventy-six thousand, five hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars, paid over twenty-four months for two years. You know, for two years, and I think it breaks down to somewhere around twenty-three thousand three hundred thirty-three dollars and thirty-three cents every month for twenty-four straight months. So, you know, uh, we'll talk more at uh, 635 about the rise and fall of uh, Ernest Winston. But uh, what this tells us is, as you mentioned, this was a turbulent year, probably the worst ever, because the problems just kept piling up. They really did. And the problem is it wasn't just the violence. It wasn't just the grades. It wasn't just the sexual assaults. I mean, it was across the board. Mm -hmm. Every time you think something couldn't get worse or something new couldn't happen, it did. Yep. At 6.20, we will uh, dive a little deeper into the issue of uh, sexual assaults. 6.14 right now. Let's check your ride home. How's it look, Boomer? Charlotte at 6. 6.21, Charlotte at 6. I'm Mark Garrison on a Tuesday with a special edition this evening of Charlotte at 6. I am uh, teaming up with Brett Jensen here in his show at 7 o'clock. We're doing an extended, in-depth review of the disastrous year that we just finished in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools. And in fact, Brett, in the next hour, uh, we'll also be taking some phone calls from parents as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we want to hear your thoughts on this about, you know, what your kids maybe experienced this year or... Have you thought about moving to different districts, be it in mm-hmm. South Carolina, Union County, Gaston County, whatever? So, absolutely. Yeah, enrollment has been in decline. For the next few minutes, we've talked about the fact that it was a lot of things that caused a lot of problems for CMS this year. And for now, we want to consider the issue of sexual assault girls being raped or groped or molested on CMS campuses. In recent years, a number of students reported being raped at Myers Park High School. And the victims all say that both cops and the principal told them, oh, just let it go. Several victims talked to WBTV. It felt like they were against me, and it felt like they were um, trying to uh, put me on the stand instead of him. They just constantly were reinforcing this idea that I was lying to them. It was like I didn't have anywhere else to go. It wasn't his reputation that was ruined, it was mine. I felt like I had to suffer in silence because of the way that the school handled it. I just left there feeling so helpless. And as all of those sexual assaults became public knowledge, we heard nothing from Superintendent Ernest Winston. In fact, WBTV's Nick Oxner chased him down trying to get a comment. Why won't anyone at CMS talk about why multiple female students are reporting being raped and sexually assaulted at Myers Park? Sir, is there anything that you're willing to say to us? Winston just kept walking, said nothing. Then, when he was asked about it at a press conference, all he said was... Are there any other questions? Just would not talk about it. And Winston said nothing when a student was sexually assaulted at Olympic High School, even after cops arrested a boy for the attack that happened in a hallway. And then there's the story of Hawthorne Academy. This girl reported being raped in the bathroom. She ended up being told she would be suspended. They should have done something about it. Instead of punishing me, they should have punished him. Now, two administrators at Hawthorne Academy ultimately were reassigned as a result of that. CMS has settled one lawsuit, two others now pending from young women. Brett, this is absolutely a twisted story. And what is still not clear to me 
is why when a girl comes forward, she is essentially told to keep quiet, even in some cases where she went to the hospital and got a rape kit done. Yeah, and that's the million-dollar question. And obviously, CMS will say, well, that happened, you know, many you know, a few years ago, prior to Ernest Winston's tenure as superintendent, that it happened under different authorities. But you know what, though? It was Ernest Winston and the school board mm-hmm. that opted to keep Bosco as the principal at Myers Park High School and then re- to renew his contract for $150,000 a year, then put him in a job that the people who literally sit next to him have no idea what he does. Yeah, They don't even know. And so this has been a problem. And you know, Olympic was at the forefront from the very beginning back in September about the girl that you mentioned getting assaulted in the hallway and then the kid playing with the ankle monitor That's right. at the Olympic High School football game. One of their football players had been arrested, was having to wear a GPS tracking monitor, and students were up in arms that he was allowed to play even with that, and then uh, CMS did an about-face quickly and said, oh, okay, if you've been arrested and charged, uh, you can't play football. Well, and not only that, but he had been charged with two rapes during the right. summer that had nothing to do with students at Olympic High School. And so the students at Olympic High School protest. They mar- they walk out and protest that he was allowed to play, and girls of the women's of the girls of the volleyball team were part of the people that walked out in protest, and they were immediately suspended from the volleyball team because they protested because they protested about yeah. sexual assault. Hmm. Now the way CMS handled these assaults also seems to violate federal law. Title IX is the law which requires an in depth investigation of sexual assaults. Well, that hasn't been happening. No, it hasn't. And here's the thing, though, Mark. And it's people need to understand that Title IX isn't something that just popped up. I mean, we're talking something that's been around for 50 years. Yep. 50 years. And they're just seriously, this year was 1972 was the was the year that it was implemented by the Supreme Court. So it's been around for 50 years. So it's not like they're just now hearing it was just dumped in their lap on what to do. So now they have this new Title IX investigation situation that they're dealing with. Well, in fact, Ernest Winston surprised school board members by saying he would take the responsibility of handling such cases away from principals and give it to a Title IX unit. The responsibility of the personnel that we will be adding to our Title IX team, their sole responsibility will be to investigate allegations of sexual misconduct. My goal is to take the responsibility of investigations of sexual misconduct allegations out of the hands of our school-level staff. Now, that announcement caught the school board by surprise, but the truth is that the principals had been botching these investigations anyway. Absolutely. And so basically, to, to break it down in the most simplistic terms in the quickest way possible, if a sexual assault occurred on a campus... Generally, it was the assistant principal or a counselor that would do the investigation, and they would do it for for that specific student in that specific school. There are 83 middle schools and high schools in Charlotte and CMS, which means if a sexual assault occurred on every single campus, it was being investigated 83 different ways Hmm. by 83 minimum and maybe twice as many, 166 different people investigating it in a different way. And so it was just a disaster, and so now they're trying to make it uniform. Yeah, a task force did issue a report saying that CMS investigating sexual assaults was not according to proper standards. 
So really, where are we on that now with uh, with the superintendent, Winston, having been fired? I, I suppose some of this is now still up in the air. Well, what they did was the task force, they said, OK, we're going to have every single investigation handled by the same governing body, the same entity, every single, doesn't matter if it's a school in the northern part of the county or the southern part of the county, every single Title IX investigation will now be handled by the exact same task force. Well, there's no question sexual assault has been a big problem this year and other years at CMS. Coming up at uh, 635 as our special look back at the mess at CMS continues, uh, we will... uh, Look into the rise and fall of Ernest Winston. All right, 628, right now off to the newsroom. Here's Anna. Charlotte at 6. 636, Charlotte at 6 on a Tuesday. I'm Mark Garrison. Now, normally on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have our Dirty Restaurant segment. But this evening, a special edition of Charlotte at 6, teaming up with Brett Jensen and his show at 7 o'clock. We're doing an in-depth review of the disastrous year that we just finished in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg school system. Parents have a lot of decisions to make here in uh, the summertime. Do they really want to send their kids back to CMS? Enrollment has been declining. And there have been a lot of problems from students not learning to school safety. CMS gets a failing grade in many categories. Now, for the next few minutes, Brent, let's uh, talk about the rise and fall of the most unqualified school superintendent in CMS history, Ernest Winston. And that's not unkind toward him. CMS had to get special permission just to hire him because he had been a teacher for a short time. He worked in the central office, but really was not qualified at all to be the superintendent. No, you know, he didn't have a, you know, a postgraduate degree. He did, which is generally required. He didn't. He was only in the classroom. I want to say a year and a half, yeah, and only long. then it was very part timeish because he was the journalism professor, and I think helped with the newsletter or yearbook, whatever. And then he, after leaving that, he spent a lot of time in central office as communications person. You know, working in the PR department, media relations, and then eventually working his way up to chief of staff. And you know, when he was hired, there were. Two reasons that everyone will tell you that there's only two reasons why mm-hmm. he was hired. Yep. And the first reason is, is because he checked off a lot of the boxes in terms of minority. Like you needed the minority aspects of it all. Mm-hmm. And it, it checked that box. The other box is they truly thought they would be able to help control him. Yeah, the school board definitely thought they could give him the job and then tell him what to do. Absolutely. And so... But it wound up backfiring. Yeah. Because a lot of times they would tell him what to do, and he either didn't do it unintentionally or just flat out ignored them. Mm-hmm. And it just kept getting to the point where they figured out that they're going to have to do something. They're either going to have to fish or cut bait. And they cut bait and swallowed the $577,000. County Commission Chairman George Dunlap even poked fun at Winston getting the job as superintendent when he wasn't qualified. Would you take a person who's never been a branch manager and make them president of the bank? Would you take um, a pediatrician and make them a surgeon? You know, there's this expectation that you will achieve certain qualifications in order to get to certain positions. So that was last year, May, and it was just me and George Dunlap. And here's a little behind the scenes, Mark. When we finished... Finish the interview. That interview, yeah. I said, George, are you sure you want to say this? Are, are you sure? Like, I don't want you to regret this because it was so strong. Yeah. And he goes, 
I stand by everything I said. I went, okay, let's go. And then in public meetings, he even stepped it up after that, even uh, saying, well, he served as a driver for a previous (laughs) superintendent. I mean, he began to get insulting. And then parents even started showing up at school board meetings saying, Winston's got to go. At least 15 guns in 45 days. Student punished for reporting sexual assault. Student with assault charges plays football game with ankle monitor. Pornographic images used in middle school art assignment. CMS has an image problem. CMS has a leadership problem. When are we going to have a leader who has at least been a principal? This is not the experience CMS should be looking for in a superintendent. So you've got parents showing up at school board meetings going, this guy's not qualified, and she listed quite well some of the many problems that the school system was having under Ernest Winston. And for a long time, the school board just kind of ignored it. And she just mentioned something that I'd totally forgotten about, the artwork during that middle school class that mm-hmm. was, you know, very pornographic. And, and you know, and you know, she just listed a lot of things that we were able to break the news on. Almost everything she listed, we broke the news on in that coverage uh, concerning CMS. And it just kept, like you said, like, okay, now you're worried about test scores. Next thing you know, you're getting pornographic books and pornographic artwork that are making the forefront. Or you're getting the CRT aspect. I mean, it just it kept coming in from all angles. And the board kept defending Ernest Winston, but you knew things were changing, especially when Rhonda Cheek, school board member, did uh, an interview with us about all the guns in the school and the fact that the superintendent, Ernest Winston, was doing nothing, and she made it clear she'd had it. It's so staggeringly disappointing. Um, it's just, I can't, there's no words to describe how, it, it, it just really pisses me off. Well, when a school board member says that, you know he's in trouble. And that truly, Mark, that comment in that interview was the true beginning of the end because it was just a very short time later when Ernest Winston was told to fire his chief of staff, Latarja Henry, who's been in 17 different roles. I mean, I exaggerate, but a lot of different roles because she keeps getting switched to department to department to department. They keep bouncing her around. And they said, you've got to get rid of your chief of staff because she has no experience either. And she's causing a lot of your problems. And your choice is get rid of Latarja or we get rid of you. Mm -hmm. And they wound up getting rid of both. Yep. The gun thing, of course, is an example of how Ernest Winston seemed unable to make a decision. I mean, the guns, it was it was almost as if every day there was another gun found. And parents and others were clamoring, let's do these body scanners. And for months, he put off doing anything. He appointed a committee. He said, I'll have a recommendation soon. I'll have a recommendation next week. I'll have one in two weeks. And it never happened. And you asked him. Uh, when something would finally be done, and he he said something I thought that uh, gave us a little insight. He seems to move very slowly making decisions. Let me say this, because I'm a student of history, and I think about in the past where there have been instances where perhaps some of my predecessors have come out and quickly stated, this is what we're going to do. I think about the addition of fences around our campuses. I think about some other initiatives. Those did not come to fruition. I believe the best approach is to take a measured approach and be thoughtful and be strategic about our plan of action. And that plan of action must include a comprehensive solution. Well, while he was dragging his feet trying to come up with a comprehensive solution, more guns 
were found on campus, and that's when the school board said, okay, enough's enough. Yeah, this started in October, and then I asked him in November in the one-on-one interview I had with him about, all right, what's the update on this task force and the metal detectors? Oh, it's coming soon. I'm expecting it soon. And then then on December 19th at West Charlotte High School, I asked him after a gun was fired at West Charlotte High School, what's the update on this task force? What's your recommendation? Oh, I expect it uh, by the end of the week because I think this was a Wednesday and he was saying he was expecting it by Friday. Then on February 1st, I said, did the task force come out and I just miss it? Oh, I haven't received anything yet. I'm expecting it sometime soon. And finally in April during spring break is when it started. So it started in October. It kept, oh, it's just, it's coming, it's coming. And then it finally happened in April. So the truth is they could have installed those uh, body scanners in October if he had just not been dragging his feet. And I think that was another reason the board said, you got to go. It was because one of his biggest criticisms by those on the inside and those on the outside was that he was scared to make a decision because he was scared to do something wrong. But in the end, by not doing anything was the wrong choice. Instead of making a choice, and even if it was wrong, doing quick corrective measures and quick Mm -hmm. corrective action, it would just sit there and fester and mushroom into something bigger and bigger and bigger, where then by the end it was too big to handle. Another indication he wasn't qualified to lead a school system this large. All right, 16 before 7 here. We will uh, continue with our uh, special look back at the disastrous year of the Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools with Brett Jensen. Uh, But right now, let's check traffic. Here's Boom. Charlotte at 6. For Tuesday, Charlotte at 6. I'm Mark Harris in 8 minutes till 7. And this evening, we have devoted the entire hour and the hour ahead on Brett Jensen's show at 7.05 to an in-depth review of what a difficult year this has been for parents and students in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools. It's been tough. Uh, Everything from uh, lots of guns in the schools to fights. And uh, so Brett and I thought it was uh, certainly worth uh, going in-depth on all of this. Right, Brett? Yeah, I mean, pretty much everyone who's been around here for a long time or their whole lives will tell you, by far, this was the worst year in CMS history. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about a school system that dates back a very long time, and no one can ever remember anything like this. So in the last uh, 50 minutes, we've talked about low test scores. So many kids are just not learning the the guns in the schools, 30 this year that we know of, the superintendent being fired, uh, finally putting some... uh, some body scanners in some of the schools, the problem with uh, young girls being sexually assaulted on campus. We've looked at all that. But another troubling trend that we haven't covered as much, the high number of teachers in CMS being assaulted. In fact, I want to play a report that Brett filed last month on just how dangerous it is to be a teacher in CMS. Data obtained exclusively by WBT shows that on average, two CMS personnel are assaulted by students every single day. From the first day of school on August 25th through spring break on April 17th, there were 299 assaults on CMS staff by students. That number is in excess of 300 today. The level of assaults ranged from punching to slapping, biting, kicking, and pushing. But what may surprise many is that the rise in assaults on staff happens even at the elementary school level. Elementary teachers told WBT that biting is a common occurrence and that black eyes have even been given to staff. Brett Jensen, WBT News. And we had one teacher who was knocked out cold trying to break up a fight, right? At a middle school. Yeah, at, at a, a middle, middle school. school. Yeah, um, during the drive through line when you pick up your kids to leave, and it was a massive brawl and was knocked unconscious. And, you know, in terms of, you know, the elementary school kids, they said, well, you know, you got a 6-year-old, a 7-year-old. Okay, fine. You've got a 7-year-old or a 6-year-old 
But there are a lot of teachers that are only maybe five foot one, five foot two. They're not much bigger than the students themselves. Now, granted, they're stronger, but if a, you're not allowed to manhandle a student, and if they start kicking or biting or spitting on you, which they do, then what's you know the teacher just gets so frustrated, and she's 25 years old, thinking, what am I supposed to do with this? Now, uh, there is uh, an academy that uh, CMS runs, which uh, when troubled kids get into trouble, they get sent to... Uh, yes, they get, it's the alternative school. Alternative school, yeah. and yeah. it's Turning Point Academy. Turning Point. I couldn't remember the name all of a sudden. And so there's a Turning Point Academy middle school, a Turning Point Academy high school. Correct. And then a Turning Point Academy detention center for kids that are in jail, essentially. Yeah. That's the one that the county's getting ready to close. Now, the problem is, so you've got all these kids who have been biting, punching, spitting on, hitting teachers, and some of them do get sent to the Turning Point Middle School, but now that school's falling apart. Yeah, we did the, I did the extensive three-and-a-half-month uh, you know, investigation into this school, and basically what it is, it's a, it's a school that is only for alternative kids. For kids, instead of being suspended, they go there for 45 days. Right. And then, and so... You're there for 45 days. It doesn't matter. You can go there for vaping. You can go there for fighting. You can go there for whatever. And the problem is that it's way more violent. And people say it's like Jill. The way the students enter, they leave completely different with their personality. They've been traumatized Mm -hmm. 45 days later. And it's so bad on staff there that every single member of Turning Point Academy Middle School has resigned or said they're not going back. They've quit. Yeah, they've quit or want to be transferred to another school because they said, we are not going back. And CMS said, well, this is all just within the last week and a half. CMS said last week, if you res- if you sign back up, we'll give you a $5,000 bonus. No one took the offer. Wow. So we have now a superintendent who was uh, signed on for a year. Hugh Hattaball, Hugh, uh, who was, uh, he's been an interim superintendent with CMS before, and the question is, and we don't know the answer because CMS isn't talking, and he's really not talking, what is he going to do about all of this? Do we know, for example, will there be more uh, body scanners bought? We don't know, do we? No, we don't, but I can tell you that basically his job is one specific thing, clean house. That's his job, because when the new superintendent comes in, Next year, July, a year from now, whenever or next June, whenever, whoever that may be, they don't want the new superintendent to have to come in and then clean house, spend the first two or three months firing people, getting their own people into position. They want it already open so when the new person comes in, they can immediately just bring their own people in. Hugh Hattaball's job is to clean house, period. Well, certainly uh, he has said that he would like to get test scores up because kids, obviously, many of them aren't learning. And as we wrap up this first hour, currently there's a budget battle going on between CMS and the county commission. CMS, now think about this, they will have a budget of a half a billion dollars in the coming school year. They're asking for $40 million more than last year from the county, and the county's proposing only $20 million more. You know, and the county commissioners are still saying, look, there's not much accountability out of CMS, and uh, $20 million more is sufficient over and last year. not only that, Mark, but there was 2,000, 3,000 fewer students this year than That's last right. year. And a lot of that money that they used, they said, hey, we need this money to improve our test scores, and the test scores either plateaued or went down. Went down again. That's right. 
Coming up here in the next uh, couple of minutes, we'll have the news, and then Brad and I will return in the next hour and continue our discussion on CMS. Plus, we'll take your phone calls here on WBT. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with Breaking with Brett Jensen. As Mark Garrison and I continue our special two-hour coverage of this mess with CMS that was this past year, as many will say, and probably rightly so, it was the worst year in CMS history, in the long history of CMS. And so in the first hour of the show, we talked, we did a first overview piece then we talked about all the sexual assaults and all the sexual violence that was occurring on campuses. And then the rise and fall of Ernest Winston as superintendent. And then the last segment, we just talked about all the violence that was occurring, not just the 30 guns on campus, but the well over 300 staff members that were assaulted by students, the 6,500 fights that occurred on campuses this year. And this hour, we are going to take your phone calls because we got questions that Mark and I want to talk to you about, whether it's have you thought about moving your kids out of a CMS district or going to private school or trying to get into a charter school, anything not related to CMS? And have you been able to do it? If so, how? If not, why? And then we're also going to take your thoughts and comments on other things as well. But, Mark, I want to start off with the whole situation concerning Ernest Winston. When they fired Ernest Winston, they released his public profile and his public mm-hmm. records. Yep. And there were a myriad of things of things that they listed as to why he was fired. One of them was the Ibram X. Kendi situation, a story that we broke out, how they paid him $25,000 for a 45-minute speech. And the contract, they did not go through the lawyers with the school board. They did it basically on their own with mm-hmm. Tarja Henry, who's no longer chief of staff. And the contract said this, you can't share that after two weeks. Even though it's a government entity and the government paid for it, the contract, which many people believe is completely wholly illegal, and anyone could probably sue and win that, and they did it on their own. And the CRT, the promotion of CRT, and I've asked Ernest Winston this many, many times, why does he constantly have speakers and only speakers that promote CRT from a national and state and local level? And his answer to me has always been, well... I like having people with dis- different perspectives. I don't always agree with my wife, but I listen to what she has to say. Well, here's what Ibram X. Kendi had to say during part of his situation. Yeah, Ibram Kendi, 25000 for a 45-minute Zoom call, Brett, with uh, CMS principals. Of course, he promotes the idea that America is built on racism, thinks white people are racist, and here's what he told the principals in that call. We are all taught the same ideas about let's say black inferiority, we're, we're taught the same ideas about white superiority, we're, we're taught uh, to see racial inequality as normal. So white superiority, and in that same Zoom call, he told the principals that if a black kid gets in trouble at school, they should let him off the hook, because probably he was frisked and cuffed by cops unfairly on the way to CMS that morning, which was a preposterous 
charge. And they, he even said, uh, I believe he said five times in a month yeah. is what I believe he said yeah. by the local cops. And the problem with that is that they constantly denied that they were promoting CRT within the schools, yet every single speaker was in favor of – one speaker was even telling you how to defend CRT. Um, there was a, you know, a mandatory – and here's the thing, Mark, about those speakers that to administration was CMS – it wasn't just the principals, the people that were student-facing. It was anyone who was an administrator, accountants, IT. They were all in on this. Every administrator had to listen to this type, these types of 30-minute um, to 45-minute to an hour-long speaking. It was just that's, that's what they did every single month. Another thing that was interesting about the uh, Ibram Kendi situation is so they give him $25,000 for this 45-minute Zoom call, but then they also bought dozens and dozens of his books and forced administrators to read his books. Yes, that's the other thing. They were having uh, reading that they made administrators have to read every single month, a particular like a book of the month club, but every single one centered around racial equality and CRT and how to for you know how to make things more equitable in your classroom and so that's what every single mandatory book that they were required to read was about but also in that personnel file of Ernest Winston was a situation where they talked about the plan of how to improve test scores and if you remember during the budget last yes. year that was a big contentious point that George Dunlap kept saying you don't have a plan and CMS kept saying it's on our website. All you have to do is look at it. And George Dunlap said, the chairman of the county commissioner said, it's not on your website. All it has is your goals. It doesn't say how you're going to get to the moon. It just says you want to go to the moon. Yeah, exactly. And so when the personnel file came out, one of the criticisms was he didn't have a plan on how to improve test scores for Ernest Winston. Yeah, clearly, uh, during the fight last year in the budget battle, CM, uh, CMS, Ernest Winston, and Elise Dashu, the chairman of the board, they flat out lied to the county commission that there was a plan in place to improve test scores. And the board knew that at the time. The school board knew they were lying to the county commission. But then when they fired Ernest Winston, they turn around and go, well, one reason we're firing you is because you didn't have a plan to improve test scores. So, I mean, what, what a jumbled mess. The county also gave CMS a million dollars to fix that disaster of a website that mm. they had. And it was antiquated, barely worked half the time. And they've had many IT people, webmasters, quit over the last eight months because it's been such a debacle having to deal with the administration over there at CMS, that they keep quitting because they keep wanting to have their hands and tell IT experts how to do their job. And so they're hired as independent contractors. Right. They're not even full-time employees, and they're leaving and quitting early and resigning early as independent contractors because the people over there have been so difficult to deal with that the website, here we are a year later, and the website is still a disaster. Mm. So uh, we, we were talking in the first hour about the fact that uh, we have an interim superintendent. All of this mess uh, is going to be very difficult for him to straighten out on a one-year contract. No, it really is, Mark. And, you know, Hugh ball. yes, he has a long history of being with CMS. But at the same point, 
you know, I don't know what you can do. He's going to have the full support of the school board. He's going to have full support of the administration because they need him to be able to do something. I know his goal is to raise the test scores. I know that's his goal. How that's going to be achievable, when they were in school all year this past year, you can't blame it on the pandemic, and yet grades went down. Mm -hmm. Test scores went down, at least through the early spring part that we saw. And so I don't know how he's going to be able to implement this in such a short period of time. Plus, he's getting a lot of pushback from uh, the black community, from black um, ministerial group that's been very active in educational affairs. And they're not happy with him. They don't like him. I suppose we could talk about that a little bit in the hour ahead as well. Absolutely. We're definitely going to talk about that, how he just walked out in the middle of a meeting that we broke here last Tuesday night uh, about how he just walked out of the middle, threw his papers down and said, I'm done at the (laughs) African-American Faith Alliance. And so we'll talk about that. Also want to take your phone call, 704-570-1110. We want to hear your experiences with CMS. He's Mark Garrison. I'm Brett Jensen. And you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here along with Mark Garrison on Breaking with Brett Jensen as we continue our special two-hour coverage of the mess at CMS. A look back at the year that was for CMS and the year that they could not wait to get over and start anew. Yeah. From everything with the superintendent being fired, 30 guns, the sexual assaults, 6,500 fights, nearly 400 staff members being assaulted. It just, and the lowest, maybe some of the lowest test scores and maybe in CMS history, it just kept going and going and going and a decline enrollment by a couple thousand as well. Let's go to the phones. We want your telephone call. 704-570-1110 is the telephone number. And we bring in Ann. Thanks for calling, Ann. We appreciate it. Hi, how are you? Just fine. I am concerned about the scores, especially at Myers Park. Because their English 1 grades have been skewed. And I don't know if other people realize this. Those scores have been boosted by 10 points for IB and honors. But the rest of them have done a square root curve. Every other high school has done a square root curve to boost it. So... How do we really know how our English one students have performed? Well, we had reported and earlier. Also, when you when you look at diversity, you are you are saying that students who are not honors can't perform as well, and so we need to be equal. Well, we had all high school, and we had talked earlier about the fact that uh, I mean, there's heavy grading on the curve going on here, just to get kids pushed along to the next grade. Uh, this is yet another year when CMS is doing that. Yeah, and the thing is, and when they did this last school year, because they were blaming everything on COVID, so they were just basically giving everyone a passing grade. Mm-hmm. As long as you showed up, you were getting a passing grade. Remember, they were having the whole thing about chronic absence, absenteeism. Yep. And so they, as long as you didn't have chronic absenteeism, didn't matter what your grade was. You were, you were sent forth to the next grade. Yep. And, you know, and then, as you talked about earlier, the curvature of grades in order just to move them on to the next level. Yeah. And you, you, I, you wonder 
if how many other school districts are actually doing that. And I don't know. I would be surprised if many were. I could be wrong because, again, school was in place all year this year. Yeah, exactly. You know, the other thing, Mark, we did a thing back in the late winter uh, about a book. (laughs) Yes. And it was a story that we broke here on WBT, and then we did it a second follow-up coverage on it as it kept progressing and getting bigger and bigger before it finally reached the school board at a school board public hearing. And it was about the girl who fell from the sky. Yeah, that was the name of it. Yep. And it was a great, it was a book that was mandatory for all ninth graders. So in case you're wondering, ninth graders are 14 and 15 year olds. That's who they are. It doesn't matter if you're boy or girl. And I remember you and I talked about this, and I believe you have some of the excerpts. Yeah, I've got a short excerpt here from the audio version of the book, and this is just a little bit that's clean enough to play on the radio. I let Anthony Miller take off my shirt so that he can see what he's touching. His hands are hungry to touch me. When he touches me down there, feels like a pen jamming onto a top. Oh, and uh, (laughs) there is a graphic rape scene in this book as well, and there is frequent use of the N-word in this book as well, The Girl Who Fell from the Sky. And when parents suddenly found their ninth graders bringing home this book, they were furious. It's a strong word, but I tell you what, it's, it's, it's close to, I mean, when you're reading it, I mean, I would say for kids that age, I mean, yeah, I would say it is. He thought it was porn. A lot of other parents did, too. And what infuriated parents was they were not told this book would be would be on the reading list. And as it turns out, a lot of parents have to file a specific request and ask the school, "Okay, what's the reading list? What surveys are my kids taking? Well, tell me about the curriculum. But if you don't ask, they don't tell. That's exactly right. And it really came to the forefront when a group of parents started reading the pages at a school board meeting. (laughs) And you have to realize there are a lot of very old women on the school board. (laughs) A lot of women who look like old retired librarians. (laughs) That's who they look like. They fit the very description of that. And you started getting these people, the parents that were reading these excerpts, and the looks on these school board members' faces were like, what is this? But yet, when I reached out to CMS a couple weeks earlier, they completely defended it and said, this is the type of books that parents and students want. Yeah, CMS claimed that there was a committee of sorts that was made up of parents and teachers and students and that this book was approved. It's hard to imagine that a ninth grade parent would have been on the committee reading about Anthony Miller taking off this girl's shirt and touching her as he did. It's hard to imagine that a parent would have read that and go, oh, sure, I'd like for my daughter and son to read this. Yeah, it was it was a very graphic book, and it came right on the heels of the substitute teacher during the art class when they, the pornographic artwork got out there that was mandatory for students to try and draw and read and parents were reaching out going what is this type of situation what what is going on here Mm -hmm. and so what they decided to do was take to kill a mockingbird what is maybe considered the greatest american novel of the 20th century they took it off the reading list because cms told me it was basically a white woman from the south that used the n-word in her book as opposed to a black woman that's not from the south using this and it was giving life experiences so they were trying to justify 
the because on one page in the girl who fell from the sky, the N word was used. I want to say it was eleven times on one yeah, page. It was a lot. Yeah, just on one. But it was it was peppered throughout the book. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, after I read a number of excerpts of the girl who fell from the sky, I'm like. That's enough. I don't need to read this trash. No, not at all. And I, I even went to Amazon to try and get some book reviews. And it was mixed reviews from the readers on Amazon where you can go buy the book. But nowhere did it say, and I went through about a, a lot of reviews, yeah. just reading people's comments. Nowhere did it say, my son loved the book. My daughter loved the book. Nowhere did it mention anything about children. It was adults leaving the comments, not about their children. Yeah, because it's a, it, clearly it's a book that's more suited for adults than uh, children. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable to think that you'd let a ninth grader, you know, read something like that, because at that age and stage, some boy is liable to hold that kid up as a hero and go, I'll do what he did. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Mark. So when we come back, we're going to continue to take more phone calls, 704-570-1110 to get in on the subject. But also, we, we, we danced over the gun situation a little bit. Let's really get into some of these 30 guns that were found on a CMS campus this All right. year. Yep. All right. With that being said, let's head on over to Anna, er- Anna Erickson, I should say, with the WBT Newsroom. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with Breaking with Brett Jensen. Mark Garrison joining me as we continue this two-hour retrospective of the year that was for CMS or the mess at CMS for this past school year. And, Mark, one of the things that we talked about from the very August 25th was when school started. Mm -hmm. That was a Wednesday. Within those first three days before the weekend, there was a gun. And then within the first two days the following week, there was another gun. So you had two guns in the first five class days of school at CMS, and it continued. And it wound up being 23 guns in the first 16 weeks of school before Christmas break. We finished with 30 because there was a mad push at the very end of getting the guns. But it was so bad that even earlier this year, right, right after Christmas break, it started right back up again. WBT is the first to learn that for the second time in five days and for the 25th time this school year, a gun was found on a CMS campus. This time, it happened Wednesday morning at Harding High School. According to officials, the gun was brought onto Harding's campus by a student from another CMS school. The gun was found in that student's car. CMS is averaging a gun found every week of school. However, 23 of the 25 guns were found before Christmas break. Brett Jensen, WBT News. And you know, Brett, it's worth pointing out at that point, I had done a a record search in the Atlanta School District, and we were running well ahead of Atlanta for guns in schools at that time. And I, in December, reached out to Wake County. Wake County Schools is the 15th largest school district in the country. Mm -hmm. CMS is 17th. So it's actually a bigger school system. And through December, they had one student bring two guns. So technically two guns, but only one student. One student, that's right. And at that point, CMS was at 23 guns. And it just kept getting to the point where it didn't matter if it was elementary school, middle school, especially towards the end. It was a lot heavy in the middle school department. And now, you know, and obviously in the high schools. And the only time a gun went off this year was December 19th at West Charlotte High School, where a kid shot a gun. Um, basically because they 
kids were trying to steal his backpack or steal something from him, and he shot a gun. Mm. So the fact that he had a gun with him in his backpack on campus. And was ready to use it. And was ready and fired and didn't yeah. hit anybody. And that's when Police Chief Johnny Jennings gave a press conference with Ernest Winston at West Charlotte High School. And I can tell you, Mark, that Police Chief Jennings was about to give the press conference without Ernest and didn't tell CMS about it until CMS found out late and Ernest had to make a mad dash. And they asked him, please don't do the press conference until Ernest gets there. And he said, well, we're doing this at a specific time, whether he's here or not. Yeah. And he, he got there just in time, in the nick of time, and they wound up doing a joint press conference. And in that press conference, I asked Ernest, wasn't just a matter of time before a gun was finally discharged, considering how many guns we've had to this point? Because that was gun 23. Mm -hmm. It was like just a couple of days before Christmas break. And he said, well, I really don't see it that way. And then 10 minutes, it wasn't even 10 minutes later in the same press conference, Johnny Jennings said, it was just a matter of time. Mm. Uh, we have to been told in surveys uh, around the country that a lot of kids are bringing guns to school for self-defense, which, uh, you know, if you stop to think about all the fights and the brawls there have been in CMS uh, and the one shooting we had at Butler High School a few years ago, that kid had brought a gun to school. Uh, because he was afraid of being attacked, and he was, and he ended up shooting uh, the kid that attacked him, that uh, they, they had a beef between them. So it is an interesting phenomenon that we've got all these kids going to school who are so scared of what's happening at school that they're bringing a gun with them for protection. This school year, 6,500 fights. Some of those massive, massive brawls, I believe it was at Mallard Creek earlier this year, Mark, where 17 students were charged with a public affray, which is a public fighting, like yeah, a big, exactly. you know, and so 17 students in one fight, not mentioning just in the last month how many different fights there were going on up at North Mech with the students fighting up there. So they, the big fight happens at North Mech. All these kids get suspended. Then they have to let them back on campus to take year of end end of year testing, and while they're on campus for <laughs> they the fight end of, again, they get in fights again and get recharged again with CMS. And then next thing you know, they're ending up to the uh, to the highway to jail at Turning Point Academy. Yeah, I was going to mention it's it's worth talking about. I think that we do these stories and we talk about the fact that students were arrested or charged because they either brought a gun or because uh, they were fighting at school. A lot of times they end up at this Turning Point Academy, which is CMS's version of uh, trying to uh, educate kids who, uh, in many cases, don't want to be educated and are violent. That's why they were kicked out of uh, the school where they were going. And uh, the fact now that the middle school version of Turning Point Academy has no teachers tells you that there is no control in these schools. And I think one question for new Superintendent Hugh Attabaugh is, hey, are you going to... Uh, put more cops in schools you know we don't have cops in elementary schools now but we've had teachers assaulted there do we really need now a cop in every cms school well and the like you said there's not one in the elementary schools although cmpd has said they're going to quote up their services mm -hmm. with with uh, elementary schools problem is they won't tell you what that means yeah and i said last week mark as a as a cynical reporter who's been doing this for a long time, that tells me one of two things. 
if you're going to amp up your patrols at elementary schools but then not tell anybody, that makes me think that automatically it's so minimal <laughs> that you're almost embarrassed to tell us how little you're actually amping up your patrols. Yeah. Or it's just not even going to happen. You, it was just food for fodder. Yeah. You're just throwing it out there and, okay, Mark, we're going to have you run by an elementary school and you might be there 15 minutes. Well, uh, a couple of weeks ago after the shooting in Uvalde, Texas, uh, CM, or the CMPD put out a statement saying, we will uh, step up our patrols. And I sent a note uh, to the uh, public information office there saying, well, what does this mean specifically? Tell me exactly what you're going to be doing. And 36 hours later, they finally responded and said, well, we're really not going to tell you that. So yeah, we have no mean? further comment to yeah, add. They right. told us that. I know they told the people at Fox 46 the exact same thing. Yeah. We really don't have anything further to add. Let's go to the phone lines, Mark, and we'll bring in Susan. Thanks for calling, Susan. We appreciate it. Yes, hello. Um, it's uh, very aggravating hearing all these things. And I have called before, and I'm the one that uh, talked to you about uh, some of these things starting in the home. There's no accountability, no pressure put on these kids. They do something wrong, it's overlooked in one way or, or another. Um, uh, there should be, like, this turning point school. How can there be no control? Um, maybe we shouldn't have teachers there. Maybe we should have it more like a jail until they straighten out. Someone has to do something, um, and it can't be the teachers. Uh, I just think back to New York City, and and I don't know a lot about a lot of different things, but I remember hearing uh, Giuliani, and he had control of New York City. No crime, no this, no that, because he had things in place. Whatever it was, I don't know, but maybe someone should tap into people such as him or someone else, um, maybe in Florida, uh, uh, DeSantis and their schools, um, but something needs to be done, <laughs> and I know people keep saying that. Um, it's just very – I know if I had children that would be going into schools, they would not be going to schools. No way. <laughs> Thanks for the phone call, Susan. We're up against the break. But, well, I mean, that's, that's the problem. So at Turning Point Academy, there are no teacher aides. There were no teacher assistants. There were right. no special ed teachers right. there. Even though they were supposed to have – of any school that needs extra people – it would be Turning Point Academy. Some classes were registered with 50 students. And CMS tried to argue with me and saying, we don't have a classes with 50 people. Really? Because I've got your internal data right here. Do you want me to show it to you? Your own data. <laughs> and so that's the problem. I mean, and so that's why teachers were fed up with that. But again, you know, Ernest Winston said that when he put out the video message earlier in the year saying, parents need to talk to their children about the violence and keep up with them on social media and as many of Ernest Winston's critics were saying, it's not the people at Audrey Kell that are having the dinners with their children that they have to worry about the guns. Yeah, that's right. It's the kids who don't have parents that are wandering the streets at all time of the day that, that are bringing the guns. The other thing that is, uh, I think has to be said is we have for a long time had an extremely weak school board that they will talk more about give us more money, uh, they will talk more about student achievement, but on all of these other issues, it is interesting how, you know, school board members will tweet 
and they'll tweet about needing more money, and they tweet about, yes, we need to do, we we need better grades, and we need better achievement scores, but you don't see them tweeting about, uh, we got to fix these behavior problems. We have significant behavior issues. We have gun problems. They never tweet about that, and if the school board keeps sticking its head in the sand on this, then they're going to hire a superintendent, ultimately, who puts his head in the sand. Well, and I, I can tell you that this year, the first half of the year, the entire blame, I mean almost 100% of it, was being put on COVID. Yeah. <laughs> well, the kids don't know how to act because they weren't in school last year. Yeah. In fact, the superintendent even said that, right? That, uh, well, they're bringing guns to school out of pent-up frustration for COVID. What nonsense. Well, and the thing is, my immediate reaction was, so they're not out three months a year anyway because of summer? <laughs> like, are they not used to this? And they finished last year actually in school. Yeah, that's right. They, la- they finished right. the last month and a half actually in the classroom. That's right. So, again, I just never bought into that. And so, but here we are, um, only five, gu- uh, seven guns, and I say only, relatively speaking, only seven guns post Christmas, 23 guns pre Christmas. So, when we come back, we're going to just. Put a big bow on this. Take more of your phone calls, 704-570-1110, as we finish up our year-end review on the mess at CMS. He's Mark Garrison. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. (laughs) News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT, Breaking with Brett Jensen. I am Brett Jensen. Being joined by Mark Garrison as we wrap up our two-hour retrospective on the mess at CMS, the year that was, the 2021-2022 school year that by any measure, by any by any standard, was a complete debacle and disaster from beginning to end. And it truly ended, started out bad with a gun, and it ended bad with a gun as the last two of the last three days of school had guns. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the phones because we asked you to call 704-570-1110. And we go to Robert. Thanks for calling, Robert. Appreciate it. Oh, hey, Brett. Uh, thanks for you guys doing this show. It's really useful for the community. Um, I'm a private school teacher in Fort Mill, and I live in Union. I just wanted to mention to all the listeners, if they want to consider private schools, uh, they might not have ever considered it. I didn't until I started working there, but... Our school is about 7000 a year, which is, I mean, it breaks down to like 150 a week. But with what's going on now, I can only imagine, like, what the parents are hmm. thinking. But uh, that might be something they can, should consider. There's lots of schools around that are smaller private schools. And the, really the class size, that's the key, you know, to, to having a good education experience. And a lot of my classes are 10, 11 kids in high school. Oh, wow. Robert, I've got a question, though. Do you guys offer, like, scholarships or aid or anything? Because there are a lot of parents who just can't afford to either, A, pick up and move to Fort Mill or send their kids to Fort Mill even though they live in, you know, like, say, I live in South Park, but how would I get my kids to Fort Mill then have to drive back to work every day? I mean, that's a problem unless you actually live near the Fort Mill school system, correct? Yeah. Most schools do have a few scholarships, but there's also uh, a state law or bill they're working on um, in North and South Carolina to make it available for parents to seek it out to get um, funding, and they they can check into it. I'm not sure what the bill, where the status is, 
But, you know, I mean, it's getting to the point where, I mean, parents might be thinking that not before now, but, you know, $100 a week is worth, you know, mm-hmm. what's putting their kid in some of these situations. Mm-hmm. Robert, did you ever teach in public schools? I did. I started in Atlanta off of Bankhead Highway, actually. Wow. And I had a school with like 3,500 kids. And, you know, there's there's advantages and disadvantages to public schools and big schools and, and magnet schools, but... Really, the key is just having smaller class sizes and the teachers can just keep an eye on stuff, and that's really the benefit of a smaller school. I appreciate the phone call, Robert. I really do. Let's go back to the phone lines, and let's bring in Donnie. Thanks for holding, Donnie. I appreciate it. Hey, buddy. How are you? Just fine, sir. Um, yeah, I feel like that a lot of the problem is they don't, the kids pretty much run the classroom. Well, in some classrooms, I think that's absolutely correct. Run the classroom. Well, they, um, uh, Donnie, turn your radio off. off. Donnie, turn your radio off. kids were going, he would go pick them up every day, and they'd say that, you know, they couldn't study, couldn't do their classwork because there was several clowns in the classroom, and the teachers just couldn't do nothing with them. Well, and, and, and I hate to sound like the 80-year-old man that says back in my day, right? And I mean, and, and I, there's nothing I detest more than either sounding like that or having someone say that. But there is a vast difference because when I was in school and when my brother was in school, and even in the 90s, my brother graduated high school in the 90s, if you were disrupting class, you were either sent into in-school suspension, you were dismissed from the class, you know, and even years earlier – even maybe even got paddled, you know, yeah. oh, way yeah. back when, <laughs> but um, which I got my fair share in middle school. But um, but my point is is that teachers aren't allowed to do anything now Mark, no. with the students, and and that's what the teachers will tell you. Like, there's nothing we can do. Which is why we've seen such an uptick of assaults here in the Charlotte Mecklenburg School on teachers and staff. That's right. Uh, nearly. 400 staff members were assaulted by students this year for CMS. 6,500 fights between students. Hmm. That's unbelievable. There are 182 schools, I believe. And so when you start doing the math, like in how many days, like it's unbelievable yeah. when you start talking about that. Let's go back to the phones. And we've got Jane. Thanks for calling, Jane. I appreciate it. Well, uh, thank you for having this. Uh, I really believe that they keep hiring these liberal people that want to adjust to what they want at the administration office there. If they would hire a good conservative, maybe like uh, Daryl Falwell, the state treasurer, he went after the hospitals when they know they were overcharging. He, He just went on and took it on himself, and we need someone like that that will go in and stand up to these people and do what, what we need to be done in these schools and use some common sense, and we're not doing it. We're falling into uh, going along with this uh, liberal, ide- uh, uh, liberal, uh, liberal uh, I'm sorry. Idea- ideology or doctrination? <laughs> yes, and I just feel like that's the reason why nothing ever gets done, because uh, I went to a convent boarding school, and if you acted up, you had to write the Constitution before you could eat, sleep, or do your work. <laughs> That's actually funny. I appreciate the phone call. Thanks well, you a lot. Know, one interesting point she makes about leadership is we've been through uh, five superintendents in 10 years here, which means we're turning them over every two years. There is no consistency in leadership with that kind of situation. No, there isn't. And like I said, don't forget, there's going to be a new one in a year from now. 
There's going to be another one added to the list. Yeah, so you're just right. going to have, what, six and 11 years yeah. is what it is? All right, real quick. Uh, let's get Mark real quick before we get out of here. Thanks, thanks for calling, Mark. Hi there. I was a teacher at CMS for a couple of years back oh. in 14 and 15, and now I'm at Union Academy. One of the things I wanted to address real quick was the concept of authority, and it's kind of shifting um, in as much as with this new system of there being one task force against sexual discrimination with Title IX, just as a personal note, I had been accused because a student, instead of referring them, I made them absence on a day they ditched class. They decided to retaliate against me and allegedly say I talked about rape in class and also that uh, they were doing kind of this twerking dance, and I said it was um, extracurricular, meaning not normal nor routine. They didn't know what the word meant, but they thought that was offensive. The point was they made me stay for two months, even though I got pay, in order for the committee to decide that there was unsab- it was unsubstantial. And... Um, at the end of the ordeal, after I had six pages of uh, Union County telling me that they needed to talk about abusive relationships, and that's why the word rape came up in the... You got 30 discourse. seconds, Mark. You got 30 seconds. Okay. Um, at the end, they say, hey, listen, if there are more allegations, you might have a negative behavior pattern of which we could fire you. And I said, are you crazy? No. There could be 300 allegations, and if they're false, there is no negative behavior pattern. So I challenge the system to be very careful about how much authority we give to accusations as we move forward, even though there is clearly conflict of sexual misconduct that we're seeing live out through the school system. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the call, Mark. You know, here's the thing. There is the new committee because they want to do it uniform. It's not just one person. It's not just Mm -hmm. two people. It's a group of people. And Mark, so that's they're hoping to actually make it uniform. That's that's the goal. Yeah. I don't know if it'll happen, but that's yeah. the goal. Clearly, with calls we started to get, uh, we could do another hour or so on this sometime soon, Brett, because uh, CMS has just been a disaster this year, and parents are frustrated.